The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. set you free how you doing i'm leslie marshall welcome welcome back only to democracy in talk radio of for and by you the people i am here live in philadelphia at the democratic national convention it's kind of funny i just looked up on a screen and it said bill clinton and under that it said former president of the united states as if we don't know who he is or anyone um, it is more than a pleasure to have in person sitting across from me live here at the Wells Fargo Arena in downtown Philadelphia. And uh, it's so funny because I, I thought to myself, gee, I'm at the Wells Fargo Arena. I have a Wells Fargo account. I could go to the ATM. And if you notice, right behind me, there is an ATM machine, and it is out of order, sadly. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people felt there might have been some lack of order and a bit out of order uh, delegates on the floor. Uh, last night, we're going to talk about that and do some comparison and talk about uh, with regard to trade. A lot of uh, no big, uh, big no TPP signs in bright red and in bright blue. More than a pleasure to have back in the program and in person across from me here in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Arena at the Democratic National Convention. Scott Paul, he is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. We're going to talk about how we can help to continue to keep America strong, and the American Alliance for American Manufacturing is keeping American. America strong. Uh, Scott, more than a pleasure to have you here in person. I was so excited. We were like you know, running like in a wind song commercial toward each other like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> you got it exactly. I can't tell you how thrilling it is to be sitting across from you doing this uh, after being a guest on your show so many times. This is just a truly awesome experience that is only made even more awesome by the fact that we're uh, at an amazing convention, heard yeah. some really spectacular speeches last night, uh, and we're in the middle of history being made. Oh, no, ab- absolutely. Let's talk about Cleveland last week. You were there. I was not as a Democrat, <laughs> I d- but you guys are a nonpartisan organization. Um, first of all, so that people understand, you know, you're, obviously your thing is manufacturing. Your thing is job creation, good job creation, bringing jobs back, not shipping uh, jobs overseas, products made uh, in America. There was a funny bit um, at the convention this week, last night, that we'll talk about. But let's go back to Cleveland with the Republicans. How much did they talk about trade? And how many no TPP signs did we see at the Republican convention? Um, and, and what was their plan to keep products made in America to increase jobs, especially in the manufacturing sector? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, it's, you know, it's no secret that Trump talks about these issues. I mean, every time he gets on the stump, he says something. I mean, he, he mixes it in with a lot of other policy. But he always is talking about trade and manufacturing. So he's kind of got that reputation as being like he's the guy who's going to be tough on trade, who's going to change the equation, who's going to bring these factory jobs back, which is what he's promised. Uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of the convention uh, last week, and there there were not a lot of speakers that, that echoed that sentiment, I would say. Uh, uh, there, there, in introducing him, and then Ted Cruz made some veiled reference to it, 
but uh, Trump, I mean, Trump's acceptance speech had a lot about trade and manufacturing. Uh, he, he, I mean, he didn't break any new ground. He's talked about all this before. But one of the things, and I think this is just fascinating. So, you know, who introduced him? Ivanka Trump, his his daughter, who is a uh, is both a fashionista um, and is also in business. It turns out, so the day after she introduces him, uh, she sends out an email marketing the dress that she wore, which was lovely and also outsourced. Uh, so uh, all of her products, yeah, are, right, all of her yeah, dresses and so are. and so you have this, uh, you, you know, politics 101. I mean, everything in this arena here, in this Wells Fargo arena, everything that that the the campaign is selling is made in America here. Everything. Absolutely everything that can be made in America is made in America. So for for Trump, he gives this speech. Uh, he's introduced, and I, I don't like bringing family members into things, but she's part of a campaign, and she was trying to sell basically the line of dresses that she wore. Uh, the fact that those are outsourced, that makes you wonder. I mean, what is this family all about? I mean, he says, uh, he says a lot of things that people want to hear, about trade and manufacturing, but every time he's had a chance to buy American himself, he's passed on it. Well, the, the other thing is that Donald Trump, like you said, talks a good game, but there are realities. And we can talk about a spoof last night um, where they, they talked about, you know, one item on a suit. You know, there's a suit jacket, a shirt, a tie on a mannequin without a head. And, and oh, you do? Oh, with, my great crew has it available. Let's, let's play that and then we'll talk about it. Hi, I'm comedian Ken Jeong. I once jumped naked out of a car in a movie. And I'm Austin Goolsbee, former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors and a member of President Obama's cabinet. So are you on the Trump train now? No, Donald Trump is a complete... Donald's talking. Remember we used to have made in the USA, right? When was the last time you've seen... Yeah, you make stuff right here. (laughs) What? He didn't do that. What do you mean he didn't do that? There's all kinds of Trump stuff. Hotels, suits... Ties, furniture, glassware. I mean, look at this Trump shirt. Made in good old Bangladesh. What? Um, yeah, Trump tie. Probably made in Pennsylvania. China? Mexico? What the Trump cufflinks? China. Trump vodka? The Netherlands. Trump crystal barware? Slovenia. Holy Melania! I'm sorry. <sighs> calm down, calm down, calm down for America. So, Austin, it, that is your real name. Donald Trump says he will bring back jobs to America when he himself made millions outsourcing his own Donald Trump stuff to be made everywhere else? That is a pretty astute observation, Ken. And scene. I think that was great. Did we get, yeah, we got everything we needed. That's awesome. So, when is he going to jump out of a trunk naked? We are not having this conversation again. Ken. No, we did. We t- I told you people that. I told you. We're not I told you people that. Doing that. I told you people that, and you agree. I thought that was very funny. Although I have to say that, and I was like, okay, cut it. You know, for a second, what was that about? But obviously, yeah. although very funny, very true. And I just, you know, people wear hats that support Trump, and you know, I'm a Democrat. 
I'm not a fan of his. Who knows? Maybe as a Democrat, I would vote for a Republican, but that would not be my candidate because I don't think he reflects uh, the, the values and the vision for America, which many Republicans don't feel that he uh, you know, reflects for their party. But th- this is you know, a man who talks about make America great again. Well, wouldn't one of the things that would make this country greater, because I always think it's a great country, is to bring manufacturing back, to bring jobs back, to stop outsourcing, as he has done with so many products, including, I think, those hats that say make America great. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a challenge, Leslie, because, again, every chance that he's had to get engaged. And it's also worth pointing out that when when the Trade Promotion Authority was a hot issue, he wasn't engaged in it. Um, I mean, he, I mean, he's kind of a latecomer to this. I think he's picked up that there's there's public sentiment uh, that's that's uh, strongly against uh, that that trade agreement uh, and strongly for American manufacturing workers. And we've talked about this before, right. uh, but in a lot of ways, he is a Johnny Come Lately to all of this, and he's never practiced what he preaches. I think one of the stunning things. So he gave this speech about steel, and again, it's everything that people who care about the steel industry want to hear. But it turns out that when he built the Trump Tower, he didn't make out of steel. It was the largest concrete construction project at the time when there was steel being made in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is just a short drive from New York City. He turned down the opportunity to do that. uh, and, And good for the concrete industry. That's great for him. But you can't pretend like you're for the American steel industry uh, and not practice what you preach. And he never has. I don't understand because the, the appeal for a lot of people with Trump is not just the celebrity, the reality uh, show guy, the shoot from the hip, the bravado, but it's also because they trust him with the economy, so polls show, because of his business background. But I'm not hearing any plans for job creation. I hear a lot of times the way the wind blows. Yeah, I like this. I like that. No, I don't like this. So speaking of, where does Donald Trump stand on TPP, on on trade? Because, you know, he says he doesn't like trade deals, but he's benefited from bad trade deals uh, to the American Oh, market. he sure has. The Central American Free Trade Agreement strongly benefited, benefited from that. By the way, Hillary Clinton opposed that agreement. Uh, but that's where a line of their, their clothing came from, from Honduras, after the Central American Free Trade Agreement came into effect. Uh, this is interesting because he says he'll negotiate a better deal. He doesn't say what that deal is or who it's going to be better for. And this is something that Gene Sperling, who was one of uh, Hillary Clinton's economic advisors, told us. We had a town hall meeting on Monday. He's like, yeah, you cannot press him down on the details uh, on this because he doesn't have any. And, and I will say that you know, Hillary Clinton has had a mixed record on trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's been very honest about that. Uh, she's opposed to the TPP, but she has an incredibly detailed plan about how to bring about a resurgence in American manufacturing. Can you tell us about that plan? Yeah, it, it is like it's 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 all encompassing. Better tax policy, punishing companies that outsource jobs, but also providing an incentive to folks who want to invest in the United States of America, investing in our infrastructure, so our rebuilding, our roads, highways, uh, our our waterworks, investing in workforce training, investing in these fabulous institutes that the Obama administration started uh, that do cutting-edge research and then bring it to the factory floor, uh, and focusing on trade enforcement through through a special trade prosecutor to really get at these cases. So it's 
it's much more than bluster. Right. It's actually, here's how we're going to knock down these issues and to provide leadership for it. Like an outline, a blueprint, a plan. Yeah, yeah. which is an Americans actual fight. plan. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org, and follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Paul AAM. Back with him, back with you right after this live from the Wells Fargo Arena here in Philadelphia at the Democratic National Convention 2016. Don't go away. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Philadelphia. Sunny rain has passed Philadelphia at the Democratic National Convention. I'm Leslie Marshall. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, is in the house for real, in person. Um, uh, when you talked to people, obviously, last week, and you wanted to know, especially in your position, that it, what, what is... What is their biggest beef? You know, what, what does trade mean to them? And, and and this isn't just something that union workers care about, right? This I think at a, there was a time that it was almost like manufacturing, a union thing. But it's not anymore. Manufacturing, trade deals, it's a voters thing. It's a, not just top of mind, as you guys have made, but a top of agenda thing. Yeah, it sure is, and it has been for a long time. I mean, this is one of the... Uh, universal truths of American politics that I don't think is well understood is that Republican voters care about this issue. So like your your average Republican voter once made in America. They want us to get tough on China. They want factory jobs. Uh, and so when Donald Trump talks about that, he's appealing to those voters. Now here's the difference. The Republican establishment hasn't wanted those policies for a very long time, uh, and, and it's been dominated, like, honestly, a lot of the Democratic establishment, too, I will say, by Wall Street, uh, by multinational companies that are perfectly fine with shipping jobs overseas, uh, or by some philosophy, whether you call it neoliberalism for Democrats or you know free market uh, conservatism uh, or libertarianism for Republicans. Uh, and so the the challenge now, and I think this is what a lot in the media, not you, but a lot in the media are having a hard time understanding. It's like, what happened to Republicans on the trade stuff? How did this happen? And the, the, the answer is that, look, the voters, they have not budged. They've always wanted this kind of change. Uh, it's only really in this election cycle uh, that it's uh, that, that it's been talked about a lot. Uh, it's been talked about, unfortunately, I think, 
uh, with a lot of scapegoating on, on the part of Trump and a lot of jingoism. I don't think that helps the issue when we're talking about economic justice uh, and, and working families necessarily. Uh, but then, you know, Bernie Sanders tapped into something really deep mm-hmm. on this. And you heard the, the no TPP chants mm-hmm. yesterday. They were loud. I was going to ask you, because I knew you'd be on today, when I, when I was watching... Uh, those people yesterday and holding up those signs, I thought of you, and I, I knew today that we'd be sitting here, and I wanted to ask you, are you surprised and are you stoked that more than civil rights, more than health care, more than $15 an hour, more than immigration, the chance of TPP last night, I have to say, were the loudest in, in uh, that arena? They, they were they were huge. They, they were, and I don't I don't know how I didn't have one of those uh, d- decimal meters, so I couldn't tell you. You know, <laughs> you, you know what, what one? They were certainly loud than kind of the anti-Clinton chants. That's for sure. Uh, but there was a lot of support for this, and I will also say it was late in the evening too, and, and the the delegates had been through a lot, and the crowd had been through a lot. They had been through hours and hours of speeches, and you're right. A lot of really important topics to this big tent party that the the, 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 the Democrats have, and it was really powerful. Uh, and I don't know how much of it was, you know, I don't know how much every person knows about the TPP, but the fact that it was such a passionate issue for you, them it, really said something. You read my mind, because I was saying to myself, I wonder how many people holding up those signs really know what they're what what it means and i think it's great that they're holding up those signs you know we know tpp is a bad thing it's a it's a you know it's a bad deal you know we don't want it and it doesn't create jobs and you know it benefits you know it benefits people overseas more than it does americans um why do you think so many people are anti-tpp even if they don't know that much about it do they just think that tpp equals job loss for americans yeah well leslie people generally are okay with the idea of free trade i mean the theory is perfectly fine sounds good but they've seen the reality they've seen these factories shut down they they see these jobs been lost and and the challenge is is that you know while people have been getting other jobs they don't pay the same the benefits aren't the same the communities are suffering their public services are suffering there's a spiral spiral effect uh and, and they've seen that and it's come home to roost in this election we're going to take a break they're going to come back live from the wells fargo arena here in philadelphia with scott paul of the aam on the only true democracy in talk radio i'm leslie marshall stick around more to come Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. We are here live in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Arena at the Democratic National Convention. And it's a pleasure to be here with Scott in person. He's a regular on the program, one of my favorite guests. And no no joke, I look you in the eye and I say that. Uh, And we are talking uh, trade, which has become, like you said, it's, it's always important. I don't think people really notice perhaps how important it is 
it has definitely magnified how important it is to the American population during election years, and even more so this year. That must get you stoked, right? It, it sure does. And so, you know, anyone who looks at polls, what 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 are what issues concern voters, jobs and the economy, always always number one or two, always number one or two, and the others. Crime, terrorism, healthcare, well, education, because kinda, jobs come under that yeah, yeah. umbrella of and, the and economy. So, and so trade, and so this is the you know no one is probably going to say trade policy because it's so esoteric. I think it's very hard uh, for voters to pinpoint. But but here's what I think they've discovered: the main impediment to getting good jobs, in a lot of cases, is trade policy. Is the fact that we have a huge trade imbalance with China is the fact that we've negotiated deals that haven't been great and then we haven't even enforced those deals that haven't been great. And now here we're sitting, you know, six, seven years after the Great Recession, worst economic shock we've had since the Great Depression. The rest of the economy has recovered. And some people, I mean, the the 1% is doing fabulous. Uh, lots of people have jobs, but lots of people have jobs that uh, don't pay as much as they want. They also might be stat- saddled with student debt, uh, or and they might ne- not be able to get a good middle-class job without a college degree. And when you're looking at the reason for that, again, a lot of it has to do with trade policy and the fact that we haven't invested in manufacturing or rebuilding our country. And so that's the dots. Those are the dots that the voters have been able to connect, I think, in this election. What have you heard that has been encouraging from Cleveland or Philadelphia? Now, we've only had one night in Philly, and, you know, we had the full Monty uh, from Cleveland uh, last week. But what have you heard, uh, not just necessarily from Donald Trump, but from various speakers? I mean, we had the mayor of Boston, who is, you know, a laborer himself and just, you know, talking pro-labor. He had a short but sweet speech. I think everybody got his attention. Uh, He got everybody's attention when he said hi, you know. I'm the mayor of Boston. I'm an alcoholic. And everybody, I think, thought it was going to be a joke, and, and it really wasn't. Um, but it, I, I think that, for me, we just heard a lot of individuals speaking yesterday that echoed the sentiments of the voter, but not just the sentiments, but people out there can relate. Oh, I have to raise my grandkid, or um, I know what it was like to have my job sh- you know, shipped overseas. I know what it was like to have to start again, learn a trade I know what it's like to lose a job. I know what it's like. Um, and he, he talked about, I know what it's like to, hey, have a, a problem, whether it's a drinking problem or a drug problem. And like he said, you know, his job and, you know, with the union and in labor um, helped him, you know, through that. And that that's another great thing about the manufacturing sector where you do have so many jobs that are under the umbrella of unions. You have somebody who can go to bat with you for that, whereas maybe another job they just kick you to the curb and say, hey, you know, you're a drunk, get out. Yeah, well, I'll say one of the most poignant things I've ever experienced, and I think the most relatable things on this issue, are those personal stories. Because uh, you can talk about theory, you can talk about policy all day long. But when you when you personalize it, and whether it's an elected official who was impacted or a regular, average, everyday American, uh, it has a powerful impact. And I know those are the stories that I'm drawn to, both when we're out on the road uh, 
uh, when when I do call-in shows like this or, or C-SPAN or what have you, uh, or hearing them on the convention floor. They have a very powerful impact, and I think they connect with voters uh, very, very strongly. And and you, we've heard some of that. I'm certain we're going to hear more of that. You know, one of the thoughts, Leslie, that I had, talking about this as, as a powerful issue, you know, in 2008, when Obama was elected, kind of the unifying principles of the Democratic Party were to get out of the wars, right? I mean, he was the, he was the candidate who had the most authenticity to, to, to get us out of those, those wars. And, and then it was health care, then recovery from the economic shock. Uh, and, and so I think a, a lot of progressives are finding for what, what is it next? Is it, I mean, we've secured some civil rights for people. We still have an immigration fight, but but what is kind of the economic imperative now? Uh, is it education? Is that a piece of it? Is it even rebuilding America infrastructure, which does not sound like a sexy topic at all, but it is a, a powerful way both to remake our economy, to achieve economic growth, uh, to create opportunities for manufacturing, uh, and especially for, for young people who don't want that college debt and who might want to work with their hands, but they want to earn a good living. Right. Uh, and it's a pathway for them. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're going to hear more of those stories, uh, and I'm confident that we will uh, over the next three nights. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that, about uh, infrastructure. Th- that's an area, and we've talked about this before, that it really shouldn't be political because we need to learn from history. And historically, investing in our infrastructure has never been a negative for America. It's always been a positive for America. It's created jobs, it's made us safer, and it's made us uh, able to reach areas that we weren't able to in the past with some of those bridges or the railroads or super highways, interstate highways, and, and now, you know, maybe some uh, super commuter trains that may be going from a certain, uh, one city to another so individuals can look outside of just their 30 to 60 mile radius for employment. A- absolutely, and infrastructure, everybody is for infrastructure, you're right. The problem today is that Republicans don't want to pay for it. Um, and so, therefore, nothing gets done. But but having a bold plan on infrastructure has always separated our leaders from the rest of it. If you think about it, going back in history, from Washington and Hamilton, which we've talked about before, to set out a system of canals and roadways and the Coast Guard for the United States, to Lincoln making sure that the Transcontinental Railroad, and we had a public university system, to Eisenhower after World War II about building an interstate highway system, uh, to Kennedy and, 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 this, and the space program. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been bipartisan. Uh, it's been emblematic of good leadership, and I don't want to forget the New Deal either, because that was played a huge role in in public structures in the United States. And so, yeah, I would love to see, uh, and I think that can define a presidency. I mean, it's not something that you necessarily see in the here and now, but when you look back, when you look back at there, you're like, God, thank God we have an interstate highway system. Thank God we have all these amazing public buildings and parks. Thank God we had transcontinental railroad. Thankfully, you know, and, and it's crumbling right before our very eyes. So there's a huge opportunity for the candidate who wants to embrace it uh, and and talk about their strategy and what the vision is. It's more than just nuts and bolts and concrete and and asphalt and steel and hard hats. This is about a legacy for America that's going to last for a very very long time. When you were saying now, folks. You know, we're live here at the Wells Fargo Arena in Philly at the Democratic National Convention, and people hear us, and we have headphones on, but we can hear what's going on around us. And you were speaking just now 
And, you know, you were talking about some of the greatest times in our nation with regard to job development and to growth and to progressing and moving forward as a nation. And when you were talking, I'm sure you heard, there was a man in that arena right behind us singing the national anthem. And I was getting like, oh, oh we I was getting, that. I, no, we but I was, that. Get, no. I, I know we planned <laughs> that. I was going to say they should have had you up on stage, you know, talking about because seriously, I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking at some of our nation's, you know, great leaders, such as an Abraham Lincoln, for example, and what was done then. And even though times have changed, two plus two is still four. And looking now at what we need going forward. We need job creation. We need, if you really want to make America great again, well, then America should be number one in manufacturing because, God, we, we were for years. Nobody could touch us in that arena. And we were not just number one in manufacturing, but we made quality and still make quality products like we've talked about before. Now, those three T-shirts that fall apart in the wash after one wearing uh, that you get for uh, 10 bucks or 5 bucks, whatever, um, and, and that are made in China. We, we've talked about this before. You know, some people would say that people that are against TPP or anything with regard to trade, you know, even Donald Trump wants to demonize China. But that's an area he's very hypocritical, you know, because he's had products made in China, benefited from trade, if you will, and manufacturing in China. But China has earned the the right to be demonized by us because it's not just about crappy products. It's not just about how they treat their workers. It's not just about this uh, deficit that we have with, you know, uh, you know, exports and imports, but it's also about their money and manipulating that currency. It is, and there a lot of trade practices that are illegal, that, that cheat, that cost jobs here, um, that have been exposed. I would be quick to point out, it's not only Trump that's criticized China's trade practices. Uh, Hillary Clinton criticizing them. Obama is taking action on it, too, on this, in the steel industry Mitt in Romney particular. Mitt Romney did, too, right? And, and Mitt Romney talked about it, too. So he's not the first guy. Yeah. He just, like on everything, no plan. He, he just says he has no plan, and he just says it louder and more offensively than everybody else to get the attention. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about TPP. I want to talk about Hillary a little bit. We did talk about Trump, and we are here at the Democratic National Convention. So uh, we'll do that right here, live from the Wells Fargo Arena in downtown Philadelphia, although not totally downtown, right? A little bit outside of downtown. Uh, I'm Leslie Marshall. We are with Scott Paul back after this. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life. Real Talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. We're having such a good conversation off there. We're just saying Meryl Streep is speaking tonight uh, at the convention. And uh, I do have a true story about that because, you know, just somebody came over and said, you know, we might get around. When I was a freshman in college, my acting teacher said, class, I have somebody who's going to sit in on the class today. It's an old friend of mine. As a matter of fact, she was my roommate in college while sitting there, not really caring. You know, so, you know, so when you're a struggling actress in New York and now you are a professor, you know. And Meryl Street walked in the door, and you could hear a pin drop. And then she sat in the audience, and we did our scenes in front of her. 
it was just it's not too intimidating. Not too intimidating, uh, you know, because nobody can nobody can live up to Meryl Streep, and nobody can live up to Scott Paul, my guest, president at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. By the way, follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM, and go to AmericanManufacturing.org. We were just talking off the air. I want to talk about TPP. You said that there were people at this convention, Bernie supporters, that were like, well, Hillary's Hillary's not for it. But there are people that had problems that she was. You might be one of those people. So is it okay for somebody who's running for office to change their mind? Does the reason they change their mind matter? Happens to every candidate, every election. Sure. And I think that... Just as a general operating, this has nothing to do with manufacturing, Leslie, and everything about governance and philosophy. But if you're unwilling to look at evidence and change your mind, you're going to be a horrible leader. Um, and whether you assign it political motives or policy motives, uh, th- that that's something that Hillary Clinton knows and that other people will uh, will will express an opinion about. But uh, you know, she had to be a good soldier during the Obama administration, which she was a part of it. Um, the philosophy of wanting to show leadership in Asia is a good one. I, I have no quarrel with that. Uh, the actual TPP that, not, that got negotiated, and I would say after she left office, uh, is not great for manufacturing. In fact, their own studies say it's not great for manufacturing. And so, you know, when you look at it from an objective perspective, it's like, yeah, I can, I can see how she could, I mean, beyond pol- any political motivation, there are solid reasons why why people could choose to change their minds on this topic. And there are very, very, very few members of Congress or senators who have a completely what you would call clean record on this one way or another. I know, you know, in a past career, I worked on a free trade agreement with uh, with between the U.S. and the country of Jordan. And I thought it was great, and I thought it was amazing, and it was a very high standard agreement. Uh, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, I switch sides or anything. You look at the agreements as they come up and make it make a choice. And right, no, nobody was done. holding up a side that said no yeah. trade ever. They were saying no TPP. That's right, <laughs> and, and that's exactly where she was. And, and, and Jean Sperling again, who was one of her key economic advisors, said it emphatically. She announced her opposition to it last fall. She reiterates her opposition to it. She is against doing it in the lame duck. She has no intention whatsoever of bringing it up. She wants to move on. She wants to move on, which is kind of what 2008 was about uh, and, 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 and 2000 as well with moveon.org. Yeah. Move past all the scandals. Move past the war. Like, move past the TPP debate. Right. No, absolutely. I want to talk about hypocrisy, and I want to talk about uh, somebody who might have been on that stage with uh, Donald Trump as a vice president, and that's Chris Christie. Uh, do you do you think he's uh, you know is is he hypocritical? Is he guilty of hypocrisy himself? So so Chris Christie said an interesting thing in his indictment of Hillary Clinton that he apparently hadn't filed in any court yet, but he you know he laid out. Uh, for, for, for for the convention and, and, and for everybody who was tuning in, the millions of people, his, like, whatever, 20-counted indictment of her. Um, and, and one of it, he said, is that she was uh, opposed to putting Buy America laws as part of the Recovery Act 
after the Great Recession because she wanted China to help finance the debt that it would take to fund the Buy America Act. This is kind of his circular logic. I don't even know that there's any like paper trail on this, but this is what he came up with. What Chris Christie didn't mention is that as governor, he has vetoed not one or two, but in fact five Buy America bills. And we five. know this because we assembled the coalition for them that was business and labor that wanted to do this. There was overwhelming support, and he be- vetoed five bills. And so when he said that, my jaw dropped, and I was like, I don't know how many people know this about him, but someone should know uh, that, that, it is, that it is the height of hypocrisy. I, I mean, the problem, I, I would say the problem on credibility on TPP is going to be on the Republican side, because you have a vice presidential candidate, Mike Pence, who has unequivocally touted TPP as Correct. being a great thing. Absolutely. Unequivocally. Unequivocally. Um, and, you know, Tim Kaine has already said he's, he's opposed to it. Uh, he was probably leaning for it, to be honest, but he took a look at it and said, look, I'm, a, I'm on the stick and I'm opposed to it. You know, what, what's Pence saying now? I think I think that's a that that's a well, real and an open glance, question. Well, at first glance, like you say, at first glance, almost any deal can look good, but you can't just glance. You've got to do your homework. Yeah, and there are thousands of pages long. You got to look at the economic analysis. You got to look how it's going to impact working families uh, and a lot of the goals that we want to achieve as a nation. And so, whether it's enforcing trade laws or tackling currency manipulation or doing Buy America laws, you need to look at that impact and not just be assigned to one philosophy or or the other. The economist Gene Sperling said that Hillary Clinton will be America's manufacturing champion. Do you believe that? Yeah, well, I, a little known fact, and I'm not sure how much she trumps this up in her bad bad choice of words there, sorry, ah. uh, in her resume. Uh, but when she was a senator, she wanted to found a manufacturing caucus in the Senate. Um, and she worked very hard to try to get it done. She was very attentive to those concerns and spent a lot of time in upstate New York uh, spending time with the manufacturers and, and was was really concerned about this issue. In 2008, 2008, well before Trump, she had a manufacturing plan. She had one. Obama had one, but she had one. She had a trade enforcement strategy. So instead of coming late to this issue, she's been there for a long time. It's just the fact, again, he talks about it more loudly more controversially, uh, and probably make some promises that that he can't deliver on, and that attracts all the attention. She has a robust policy on a lot of issues. She has a lot of plans, uh, and so she's not talking about it every day. I think she should. I think it'd be great. I think the voters would welcome that, Uh, but she has a solid plan. Scott, I can't believe the hour is gone already. Uh, I thank you for being with us today. Um, In a a sentence, uh, what's your experience been in Philly here so far? You know, it's been fabulous, and I've never been to a convention before. We did a town hall meeting eight years ago before Denver started, and it was a a great experience. But this has been really good, and I'm glad these economic issues are a big piece of the puzzle. And, and, And honestly and candidly, I'm glad that they got some airing last week in Cleveland. I think that we're turning a page and hope. Hopefully we can have a great debate uh, and make some progress and create some jobs. Yeah, and that means that you'll have more work to do, too, though. <laughs> Indeed, and we welcome it. And we I thank know. you for everything you're doing. Oh, we uh, thank you for what you're doing. Every day on the radio, Leslie. Well, because I think a lot of uh, people learn from what, you know, you're teaching us. Uh, maybe, like like I said, how many of those people holding those no TPP signs know what it means? I'm glad they are, but they need to know why they're doing it. 
Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Paul, A-A-M. And they are the AmericanManufacturing.org website. Check it out. And keep America strong. You are keeping America strong. We appreciate it. Scott Paul, everybody. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back after this news break. <laughs> 